so this is what happened this week. Uh, Ajua is not with us this week. She was taking the week off. And um, we had another worship leader scheduled to lead worship. And so then we had our Christmas Eve service here, which was real nice. And it was, it, was, it was great to see everybody here. And then Christmas Eve, I get a text that says, Hi, uh, John, I've been in a car accident and I can't uh, come lead worship. And he's fine, don't worry about it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so, so that's Christmas Eve. So, so I pull out my guitar. I'm like, because before I was a pastor, I would lead worship. And so I, I pull out my guitar and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to like, it's going to be like the John show on Sunday, right? It's like, play a song and then preach and then juggle and, you know, whatever. Uh, do the worm, you know, I don't know. But anyway, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do that. And so I started strumming some chords and um, Lisa said, oh, I don't, I don't know that you're going to need to lead worship, right? <laughs> and I, and so I realized that I haven't practiced the guitar for, well, how long have I been a pastor, right? right? And my vocal cords are like sandpaper, and it, was just, it, just, it just didn't sound very good. So uh, I'll get back to that in a second. But on Christmas Day, I texted Heidi, and she, on her Christmas, got the worship songs put up on, on our website that we use, and she, she's got a family too, so I just wanted to give her a thank you. That was, uh, that was really cool, but getting back to my uh, horrible guitar playing, so, uh, so you know, and I was telling Lisa, I was like, man, it, it's kind of a bummer when you get, you know, if you're playing and you used to be able to do something or you're singing and you used to be able to do something. And I just, I just felt kind of stuck in, like my body knew what, thought it knew what to do, but the sounds that were coming out, I mean, the dog liked them, but it was just <laughs> this, this thing. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I told you but 2016, I'm going to get it all back. 2016, I'm going to get my old chops back. I'm going to be able to do everything. 2016, I'm going to sing like a bird, right? In your mind, you probably know what I would be doing in 2016. We call it practice. <laughs> I'd be practicing. I'd be uh, taking lessons maybe. Or I'd be on YouTube. Or I'd be, I'd be uh, doing vocal things. Or I'd be, you know, I'd be trying to, like, okay, so I guess here's my point. To think that I'll be better in 2016 than I was yesterday and not doing anything is foolish. And yet... <laughs> Don't we do this to ourselves all the time? Like, don't we say, well, oh, you know what? 2016 is going to be better than 2015. Okay, what's your plan? What do you got scheduled? Now, I won't put any of you guys on the hook, but uh, how many people, if you want to raise your hand, you can. How many people have something in the back of their mind they would like to change in their life for 2016? I'm raising my hand. I, I have something. Okay, cool, cool. Now, if you could stand up and tell me what it is. No. Uh, <laughs> right? Right? So some of, for some of you, you're thinking about um, 
caloric intake maybe changes. Uh, for some of you, you're going to get on a budget. For some of you, you're going to, you know, maybe learn, learn a language or do something. But um, I used to not do uh, New Year's resolutions at all because I felt like it was, you know, you're just joining a bandwagon in, in January. Now I do them all the time. I love them. But, but if, 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 I, if, I, if we were to have you stand up, and you were to say, oh, um, I'd like to learn Spanish in 2016. I, I'd, what would I ask you? Really? How? <laughs> How? And you'd have an idea. Or you'd say, I don't know. I'm going to research it in January. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. If you said, oh, I'm going to lose some weight. And I said, How? And you said to me, by doing the exact same thing I did this year. <laughs> I would say, great, it worked. You know, I, but then under my breath, I'd be like, that's not going to work. Anyway. <laughs> But that's the thing. Wouldn't it be foolish to, to think you're going to get thinner, richer, smarter, or whatever for 2016, and, and then you don't do anything? Now, here's what I want to discuss this morning. What if you could make your soul healthier <laughs> in 2016? Now, we would say that different ways. We'd say, maybe I want to grow closer to God in 2016. Uh, maybe I want to be more committed in 2016 or what, what have you. What, what would that look like? And if that's you, if you're saying, you know what, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I want to grow closer to God in 2016. Uh, what is your plan? How are you going to do that? This morning, what I want to do is I want to look at somebody in the Bible that Jesus talks to. And um, I want to look at some things Jesus says to her. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I think uh, in the 10 years I've been here, I think I've preached on it uh, either three or four times. And I'll, I'll probably continue to do so because I just love the story. I love the history of the story. I love the cultural clash of the story. But what I love the most is this idea that Jesus is having a conversation with somebody. It's a story of the woman at the well, is what they call it in the Bible. Um, and it's found in John chapter 4, verse 7. And so let me, it's where we're going to start. It actually starts in John chapter 4. And let me just set up what's going on. Jesus' ministry is, is moving along. And the Pharisees, who are kind of the establishment of the day, the man, if you will, okay, they, they are running all things religious, and so already there's a problem because John the Baptist has come in and John the Baptist um, was calling them, oh, I don't know, a brood of vipers. <laughs> you know, he was, he was pretty aggressive. He was pretty cr crazy. And so um, he, he's annoying them. And then Jesus' ministry begins to, to come up. And John had this famous saying, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. But there's a time when both of them, both of their ministries are kind of, kind of going. And, and it starts out by saying that, the Pharisees realized that Jesus is now baptizing more people than John the Baptist. In fact, it was the disciples of Jesus, not Jesus. But, um, but that's it. So now you've got these two things that are coming and risking everything that these Pharisees have built up. They've got a power structure. They're all um, uh, relatively wealthy. They can impose guilt on people, which is always fun. And, uh, and, and so now the, Jesus is, is coming and John the Baptist is here. And also, the Romans were leaving the, the Pharisees alone. They were kind of stepping back a little bit and going, okay, you run your little religion thing, we'll run the government. Well, this threatened that, okay? So Jesus decides, rather than go through Jerusalem, he's going to come up and swing up to Samaria, now, Samaria is, is um, 
they don't like the Jews and the Jews don't like the Samaritans, okay? It's kind of like a Raiders fan and every other fan, okay? It's like, it's like they're just, they don't, they don't mix. And sorry for you Raider fans, but if you could wear that stuff to the men's breakfast next week, that would be really fun. Um, but, and, so, and so Jesus finds himself, he, he, he gets to this well, he sits down, and his disciples go off to get some food, and there he is, and this woman shows up. Now just to give you a quick thing, we don't have time to go through all the history, but during that time, women had no value whatsoever. Their opinion didn't count. They had no authority. They couldn't sign a contract. They couldn't even testify in court. They just, they, 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 they were, they were an, an under, some of your husbands are just like, I've been saying that for years, okay? Bad marriage. All right, so, so this, this is what's going on. So Jesus comes, and here comes this Samaritan woman. So not only is, is, are women second-class citizens, Jews thought Samaritans, Jews called the Samaritans dogs, okay? So now you've got this woman who's a Samaritan. And this is where we find Jesus. And this is, I, I just, I want you to get the sense of where this woman is in her life and, 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 and what Jesus has to say to her. Because I think this story will help us get unstuck for 2016. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, she responds to this in a, in a you know, she kind of questions him like why are you talking to me I'm a woman number one I'm a Samaritan number two but this is this is Jesus establishing this conversation now what I want to do just right after this verse right now I want to just give you one concept to think about that God wants to have a conversation with you God wants to have a conversation with you now you when I don't know where you are in how you see religion, how you see Jesus, how you see the Bible, and all this kind of stuff. But what, what, what the gospel, what the good news really drills down to is this. That what Jesus did on the cross gave us a way to have a relationship, to have a conversation with our Heavenly Father. So I know that going to church, reading your Bible, that sounds very religious, and it, and it is. It's awesome, and um, we're glad you're here, like we say every single week, and it's better that you're here, that we, we believe that too. But that God wants to have a conversation with you. And so Jesus starts off this conversation with, give me something to drink. And, and, and for some of you, the thought of having a conversation with God is scary because you think he's going to ask something of you. He's going to require you to do something. You think he might have you give up something that you don't want to give up. You think it might cost you some money that you don't want to give up. You think it might cost you some time that you don't want to give up. You have something that is very dear to you that you have hidden in your life that you don't want to give up. And you're afraid he's going to tell you to give it up. Jesus starts out the conversation with this request. Will you give me a drink of water? Breaking into her whole culture, her whole thing as a woman and as a Samaritan. He begins a conversation with this woman. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? And so she says, um, 
essentially, why, why are you asking me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. And then we jump to verse 10. And he says, this. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, um, I, I, I want you to kind of get this idea. This is the goal of Jesus. Jesus' goal for this woman, Jesus' goal for you and I, is that we don't get stuck in our faith. That 2016 is not the same as 2015, which was the same as 2014 and the same as 2013. And then we sit right before we enter in a year and go, next year's going to be different. And we go, well, how? What are you going to do? How are you going to get this, these conversations with Jesus? So what Jesus is talking to him about is living water. Now, she says to him, I won't look at it, but she says to him, well, how are you going to get water? You don't even have anything to pull it up out of the well with. Here's what Jesus says. And this, this happens a lot. And, and as you begin 2016 and begin to have some more conversations with your Heavenly Father, you'll see that oftentimes He's got a different agenda for your life than you do. And so this is what happens with Jesus. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water, the, the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst here, here, here's, here's, catch this. This is Jesus' vision for your life with him. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, oftentimes Jesus would talk to people and he'd use metaphors and he'd use things and it took people a while to get it. One time, uh, he was talking to uh, somebody and, and they, they said, well, how do, I, how do I get this e eternal life or enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, you must be born again. And there's just this great story of this guy talking about physical birth and Jesus talking about like spiritual birth. And so the dude's like, I can't go back into my mom again. That's weird, you know. And Jesus is like, it's like, no, no, it's, it's spiritual birth. He's doing the same thing here. He says, he says, indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. <laughs> And have to keep coming here to draw water. And so Jesus does, like he does a lot of times, and a lot of times in our own life, he, he kind of just gets to the root of what's going on. And, and this is the risk when you have conversations with Jesus, or you have conversations with your Heavenly Father. The risk is that Jesus isn't going to allow you to stay in that spot. He's going to find the thing that you're hiding. He's going to find the past. He's going to find the thing that's holding you back. And he's going to want to remove it. And it's going to feel like a big cost to you. And it's going to keep you from wanting to take another step with him. Because having that thing or having that, you know, your past or whatever it is, feels safer than to leave it and to head out with Jesus. So Jesus says this, she says, I, I, want, I want this water, you know, this, uh, you know, this whatever everlasting, you know, uh, water bottle that you got. 
he told her, uh, go call your husband and come back. And this would be a normal thing for him to say because uh, she, again, would have no authority and, and would not be able to make any decisions. And so when it came time to distribution of living water, uh, you'd want to talk to the husband so that the men could, you know, f- figure it all out, right? Whatever. So I'm just telling you what it was like then. <laughs> the women are just like, oh yeah? Well, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, and so, so he says, go, go call your husband. But Jesus is not interested in that. Jesus values women. Jesus is not interested in the cultural thing or any of that. Jesus is interested interested in her and Jesus is interested in her moving forward so that her life that the things that she goes after to bring life are not things that would hold her back from God he wants to really have her experience living water he he wants her to really experience a life without fear he wants her to experience a life where she can trust in God she Uh, He wants her to experience a life without shame, without regret. He wants her to experience what living water, what a relationship with Jesus really is like. And so he says, go call your husband. And she says, "Uh, I don't have a husband, she replied. And technically, we'll see in a second, this is true. As a matter of fact, Jesus even says that. He says, you are right when you say you have no husband. For those of you who know the story, you know that Jesus is going to call her out in just a little bit. Jesus is going to push on a topic, the topic she doesn't like to have pushed. This is one of the risks with having a conversation with Jesus. He's going to find your thing, and he's going to go, let's talk about that thing. And you're like, what thing, Jesus? (laughs) I don't have anything behind my back. What is it? And so this is what he does. And he starts out with this, and I just love this. The fact is, <laughs> he's going to, okay, so Jesus, Jesus, he, he starts talking to her. He, what does he want for her? Living water, right? Okay. And so he, he, he goes to the thing that for her is going to have a lot of shame, especially in that culture. He's going to the thing. Um, That's why she's there in the afternoon instead of in the morning. In the morning is when you'd go to the well to get your water. All the women did it. That's where you had conversations. You learned about what was happening with this family and that family and all this kind of stuff. And the women would go back. And if you lived a life of shame or you had something where you were ostracized by the other women, you would go by yourself at another time. And this is exactly what was happening for this woman. And then Jesus goes right after the very thing of why she's there in the afternoon. And he talks about the facts. The reason he says the fact is, is because you and I are incredibly good. I mean, I don't know your life as well as I know my own, but I would gather that you're about as good at fooling yourself and lying to yourself as I am. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I often don't lie to anybody, but I'll spin some marvelous tales to myself to help validate or make myself feel better about something where I know I'm not supposed to uh, be a part of it, but I, 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 I lie to myself. And so I wrote some things down that I thought would be fun uh, on the fact is and, and see if this sounds like um, anything that you might have heard from somebody. Uh, you might say, 
or somebody might say, um, I really have high standards for people and I, 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 I kind of expect them, I expect the best out of them. The fact is, uh, you're really judgmental. <laughs> We couch it in a way of saying, well, I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say I'm really judgmental. And maybe that's the thing. Jesus just comes in and says, hey, we'd like to have a conversation. Wow, you are really judgmental. <laughs> okay, that, that hurts a little bit. Uh, you might say something to the effect of, I'm very passionate and I tell people exactly what I think. I just want to be honest in all, all, all ways. The fact is, you're insecure and you feel safe by keeping people off balance. And so you have outbursts of anger and things like that. So that everybody else has to tiptoe around. And so you get to stay in power. And you get to stay uh, where you are. And that sounds great. Uh, you might say something to the effect of, um, you know, when my family, when we, when we go to sporting events with the kids, you know, when they're, as they're playing soccer and hockey and all these types of things, we just want a well-rounded uh, childhood. In fact, maybe God says, uh, no, the fact is you live vicariously through your kids and you care too much about how they succeed and when they fail and all that kind of stuff. I'm, again, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. This, this is for the people who are watching online, okay? So that's, uh, that, that's for them, all right? Okay. You say, my life is so full. I, I, I'm very busy. I've got all these things going. I'm, I, I'm in a very um, full stage of my life. The fact is, your busy schedule has crowded out God. That's the fact of the matter. Again, I'm not, not trying to come down anyone. Some of you might say, you know, I, I, do, I do everything for everybody and I feel like a doormat. Well, the fact is, Jesus might say, that you're a people pleaser and you have horrible boundaries. <laughs> now, those things, and if they apply to any of you, I didn't mean to step into your life or, 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 or do anything, but, but this is some of the risk of having a conversation with Jesus because Jesus wants you to have the living water and the way you get to the next step is to deal with that thing. <laughs> to hear the truth. To, the Bible would call it, bring it into the light so that there's nothing hidden. And oftentimes, we're the best at hiding these things even from ourselves and we couch it in something else and we say it a different way and we have ways of phrasing it so it doesn't sound as bad as Jesus just said it was. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we don't get to a place in our lives where we can take those next steps with him, we are going to be in the exact same spot next year that we're in this year without moving forward. And so Jesus comes into this woman's space. Now, but watch what happens because this is so cool. He says, the fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you uh, now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. <laughs> you, don't have a, you don't have a husband. Jesus completely exposes her. Completely just pulls the curtain back like uh, on the Wizard of Oz. And there's, there's the whole fake thing. Jesus goes right to the thing that is so much a part of her identity that she actually has to revolve her schedule around getting to places so that she's not seen or it's not brought up. 
And Jesus says, okay, out of all the things we're going to talk about, let's talk about that. But here's the thing, because while that might scare you and go, well, then I don't want to talk to Jesus at all. <laughs> Me no likey Jesus, right? right? You're, you're like, I don't want him talking about any of that stuff. What does he say to her right after? Nothing. He doesn't say, so shame on you, five husband lady. <laughs> he doesn't say, five husbands? That's a you problem, okay? You're the problem. I mean, I, two husbands, maybe you can tell me some stories about how terrible they were. Three, four, five, uh, that's you, right? He could have said that. He could have said, oh, you're living with someone who's not your husband right now? He could have gone to his scroll and said, I know this is in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> I know it is. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, he he wants her to have living water. Yes, he wants it exposed. Yes, he wants it brought into the light. Yes, he wants to have a conversation. But, but he doesn't bring shame. He doesn't shake his head slowly and... Wow. Wow, that's the most husbands I've ever heard of one woman, right? He doesn't do that. So she hears this, okay, from him. And says, uh, you know, you've had five husbands. The man is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. And then I just love, she just has this classic line. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. <laughs> you just told me something about myself that only someone from God would know. Do you know how valuable that is? That you could hear something about yourself that only God would know? Do you know how much that should be cherished? Do you know how much that should be sought? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says it this way. We call those things, things that happen in the kingdom of God, okay? And, and, and the Bible says these things like, like if, you, if you find the kingdom of God, if you can get something that, about yourself that only God could know, you should sell everything you have and go get that. You should do whatever you can. He says the kingdom of God is like a, it's like a man who goes into a field and there's some treasure there. And, and, and he finds the treasure and then he like kicks some dirt over it, sells everything he has and buys that piece of land. Okay? Because he, he knows the treasures there. This is the same language Jesus would say to you. I know stuff about you that we can deal with to get you past, but you got to let me in. You've you got to give me room to work. And so he says, I perceive you're a prophet. And he is a prophet, but he's much more than that. He's the Messiah, which we'll see in a, in a second. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, as we just saw. He's the wonderful counselor who finds out all your junk and then says, okay, how can we get this fixed? So she goes on. She turns it. Okay, this is something spiritual. She goes to where she thinks it's going to go if it's spiritual. Our ancestors worship on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. So this or this? Which one is it? And in, in typical Jesus style, he's like, no. <laughs> you know, like he, he, he says this. Woman, and this don't think of this as a derogatory woman. It's like, ma'am, you know, it's not like, woman. Let me tell you something. No. Uh, there's this woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him, uh, must worship in the spirit and in truth. Jesus just rocks her world. I don't know about you, but when I think about 2016 for me, I want to worship in spirit and in truth. I want to be farther along in 2016 than I was in 2015. I want to be, have as much of my life exposed to the light as I possibly can. This is what happens to her. She leaves her water jar there. <laughs> like a, basically she drops every. This is the Bible's way of saying she dropped everything and went back in. Look what she says. The woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This is what freedom looks like. This is what it looks like when God meets you at a place and you're like, man, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Now, this can come in so many different areas of our lives. It's not just bad things we do that now people know about and we confess them and it's over. This, this has to do with how we spend our time, how we spend our money, the relationships we have, little decisions that we make throughout the day, ways to bless people, um, um, uh, things that we know and learn and memorize about the Bible. It, it changes just all sorts of different things for us. So how does this happen? How do you have a conversation with God? How do you meet Jesus well, um, here's how a group of us did it earlier in September. We went through a program called Rooted, okay? And Rooted is uh, nothing magical, okay? Rooted just provides a structure for you to go talk to God. Now, there's some things that are scary about it, and we want to go through as an entire church. If I had my dream... Every single one of you would buy one of these workbooks and we'd go through it together. Not because it's the latest fad or the newest thing. Almost quite the opposite. It's very simple. But it's going to require some scary things from you. Okay? It's going to require $15 uh, for the book. So already half of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> you know? Okay. So figure it out now that in the end of January, beginning of February, you might have to come up with $15. That's the first scary part. The second scary part is that there's five days of homework a week. And if you're like me, you're like, I stopped doing homework in the ninth grade. Okay? I did not want to do homework. And, and, and so, uh, but the homework isn't really homework. It's not looking, memorize this Bible verse and then figure out what, what everyone's saying. It's just having a conversation with God. It's not hours on end. I would do mine in the morning before anyone woke up. So, 10 a.m., I'd be out in my, uh, no, I'll just play. Uh, so I'd go out, it's, sometimes it'd still be dark, and I just, I would just go through that, that day's stuff. And it would just be uh, maybe a story or something in the Bible, you just read it, and it would just ask you questions. Have you ever had a time that seemed scary like that to you? 
Do you want to write something to God asking him where he was during that time or what have you? And so you just journal a little bit. And some people, like in our group, you had some people, it's like, can I get another book? Because I filled out the first one. It's like, Ugh. and then there's me who's like, I, get, I feel guilty because I put down like three sentences. I'm like, I don't want to say anything else. I just kind of said it all right there. It's fine. It's not, that's not the point. You don't have to fill it all out. But that, that, that's the other scary. And then there's this other scary thing. You actually, when you do this for the five days during the week, then you meet with your group and you talk about it. <laughs> now, for some of you, you're like, oh, goody, I get to talk to other people. Others of you are just like, no way. How about I pay $30 and don't go at all, okay? Uh, no. Um, but that, that part, 10 weeks long, that's it. That's it. Ten weeks long. Now, now, here's the thing. I know all the pushback. I know all the excuses. I've, I, all the things that you don't like about it. I wasn't excited about doing it either. But I've done it. And my life is different now. The people who have done it send me emails about, and you'll be hearing some of their stories, about what they expected and what they got out of it. And the only way I can, I can kind of put anything similar. There's one time in my life I did this thing called P90X. I don't know if you've ever seen the infomercial for it. Um, but uh, P90X, you know, I was, I was sitting there on the couch like, you know, just lazy. And I had put on um, some weight and, uh, and I see this guy and he's like 50 years old and I'm getting up close. I was getting up closer to 50 and, and he's doing these push-ups and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and they got me with this kind of stuff. Were you an athlete when you were young? And I'm like, oh yeah, I was an athlete. You know, they, they, they really get to your pride and your delu- self-delusion. And so uh, it's like, well, you know, this is the perfect program for you, for someone who's like ready to go for it. And I'm like, I'm ready to go for it, right? And so the DVDs come in the mail and all this kind of stuff. And, and you, have to, you have to work out six days a week, okay? And so um, by day three... I didn't believe in God, okay? Because my body was so jacked up. Because you start out and you're feeling pretty good. But by day three, I'm just like a, a noodle. But I kept going. And so I did. So and you, what you do is you take a picture of yourself before. And what I did for my picture is I made my stomach real big. And I like slouched over. So that at least by day 30, I'd, I'd look better. And, and so uh, you take a picture. You take a picture of yourself at, at 30 and then 60 and then, and then 90 days. And here's the thing. So I worked out six days a week for 90 days. Guess what happened? It worked, okay? Like, like I could do more pull-ups than I ever thought I could do. I could do more push-ups than I ever thought. I mean, I can't now. This was back when I was doing P90X years ago. But, but, but here's the weird thing. My whole concept of kind of what, like it, it actually changed me. So, so when I think about like, man, I don't, I don't feel kind of out of shape. That happens way sooner than it used to happen before. Why? Because I committed to something. I did something different than I had done before. And I actually was changed by it. Now, P90X is stupid. That's just my body. In a few years, I'll, I won't even be able to walk, probably. I mean, I'm just getting older. I'm at the end. Here I am, right? Like, my body doesn't even mean anything. My soul means everything. And so, my plea to us as a church is if, 
you can do something for 90 days. You'd probably do a diet for 90 days. You'd get on a budget for 90 days or whatever. What if for 10 weeks you just said, you know what? What do I got to lose? Here's, here's the thing you have to lose. $15 and like 50 conversations with God. I mean, that's really what it's risky. And then you get into a small group and maybe the cookies aren't good or what, what have you. It'll cost you some time, okay? It'll cost you a little bit of vulnerability maybe. But w isn't that worth the risk? To try and get some of these kingdom moments where your heavenly father would say, I know something about you that you need to know. And in the morning through one of your readings or through journaling or whatever, you, you, you're, you're, the way you look at prayer changes. One of the things we did uh, is we, we transformed this room and we had stations for prayer and we, we had it set up to pray for a couple hours, right? Now you might think, well, John, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. You pray for a living. Um, I, I didn't want to pray for two hours. I didn't even know what I'd have to say for two hours. Like I said, I think God knows pretty much what I'm going to say. So I'm like, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, good. I'm glad we're the same. But that process, it's transformed how I see prayer. Just by doing that, that, that one exercise. What did it cost me? Two hours. And now my relationship with God is deeper. As the worship team comes back up. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, you don't have to do anything right now. It's not, you know, it comes with a free set of steak knives. Or if you buy your book outside, it's only $10. And, you know, it, 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 none of that. Some of you right now, as I've been talking, you've been like, you know what? Bump it. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I, you know what? I'm just going to take the risk. Ten weeks. I'll get in a small group. Heck, I, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go to another church. Okay, that's maybe you. You're, 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 you're at that. Here's what I'd ask you to do. When you fill out your connection card, there's a little space on one of the sides that says, my next step is, and there's a little dot, dot, dot. You just write rooted. This way I'll, I'll, I'll begin to get a sense of how many people are going to do it because we have to buy all these books and all this kind of stuff. For others of you, you're like, I, don't, I need to talk to my spouse or I need to, you know, get over my fear or what, what, whatever and you need some more time. That, that's fine. That's fine. And what I would ask you to do is just pray the simple prayer when, 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 it, when it's quiet. I mean, uh, Heidi's going to sing a song and you can join in if you want. Some people just sit and kind of pray. And here's the prayer I'd ask you to pray. Lord, I don't want to do this. Why? Why? That's it. And just, just, he, just see if you hear from God. He might say, well, you, you're, you, you're, you have a fear that you're going to be found out or you have a fear of people or maybe you've been wounded by a church before. You've been in a small group and it was a really unhealthy small group and you're like, I'm not doing that again. I just like coming on Sunday and, 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 and uh, you know, being, being done with it. But that, that's okay. God might want to speak into that. And so um, for others of you, uh, John Vier already talked about maybe, maybe it's the first time you write a prayer request. Maybe you've never written one before. And so you're just going to write on your card, um, you know, maybe you pray something like, you know, I, I want to grow deeper with God in 2016. Help, pray for me, you know, pray, pray for whatever that is. And then this, we also take our offering at this time. And we don't pass a basket around. Uh, a lot of us give online and, um, uh, but some of us will give uh, by check or by cash. And so we we get all that together and then at the end of the service when you're walking out there's a box in the back and all those connection cards go back there and all our offering goes back there as well. But let me pray for us. 
Lord Jesus, um, I thank you that you care enough to want to have the hard conversations. Uh, Lord, sometimes we don't like it at all. Um, but knowing that your ultimate goal is that we would have living water springing up in us where we can live a life without anxiety, without fear, without shame. That we could live a life, an exciting life of, of just not knowing what you're going to have for us at any given moment. Lord, it's worth everything we have. And Lord, these things are hard. So I just pray as we have this time of either singing or being quiet or whatever, um, that we'd connect with you. In Jesus' name, amen.